Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast, everybody. This is Jake Arthur, joined by Zach Hicks, as always. And we are here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also love it if you give us a rating and review as well, if you're enjoying the show. If not, do it anyways, but leave us a good review. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, we continue our season in review series today by taking a look at the defensive side of the ball for the Colts. And we're joined by Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan and the Kevin's Corner Podcast. Before moving on, let's hear from our sponsor. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you are looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. There's obviously some huge intriguing bets that hinge on Patrick Mahomes' availability this weekend. The Chiefs are currently three-point favorites over the Bills with an over-under of 54 total points. That obviously is heavily influenced by whether Mahomes plays or not. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So this episode is about defense, but this morning, Philip Rivers just happened to announce his retirement. So stealing the show, stealing the show, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So obviously we got to touch on that a little bit. We're not going to go in depth into that until next week, but we obviously have to talk about it Um, again, just like we discussed with Jim Aiello last week and Anthony Costanzo getting his retirement out of the way. I dig it. You know, Chris Ballard said at his end of season press conference that, uh, that they were going to touch base with Philip again next month. I I don't, I don't mean to say I dig that he's retiring. I dig that we already know basically. Um, it just so happens that the team the Colts trade most with, the Jets, has the number two overall pick. I don't know if they want to go up that that much in the draft, but they certainly can. Uh, they, they can start to get those lines in the water. They just have this entire offseason before free agency and everything to kind of figure out their long-term answer. So I kind of figured Rivers was going to be around one more year and then, then they draft someone and Jacob Eason would be there competing and they could actually evaluate him this, this year, but uh doesn't look like that's how it's going to be. And the future kind of starts now. Uh, Zach, what do you, what do you think about this? I, I don't want to say sudden retirement because we all knew it was coming eventually, but uh this morning's news. Yeah, I was uh, pretty shocked. I mean, obviously when you, when you look at it, pulled out from the situation, you look at an old quarterback, uh, 
Obviously, he didn't have that much left in the tank. I mean, he had a good season this year. Don't get me wrong. But you could tell physically there wasn't that much still in the tank for him. Uh, he was able to be productive because of where he was, where he is mentally. But, um, I, I, you know, it's always nice seeing these guys go out before they hit that. And it's always going to be called this, that Peyton Manning cliff or whatever yeah. that we saw with the with the Broncos. Uh, even though he won a Super Bowl, that cliff comes hard and it comes fast. Uh, we saw a little bit of that with Roethlisberger this past year. I'm glad that we got Rivers, you know, Rivers able to retire on uh, such a good season that he had this past year with the Colts. And his last game with the Colts, even though it was a loss, was a pretty good performance by him in a playoff game against a top team. Uh, that being said, like you said, the, the future's now. Uh, I didn't expect – I expected Rivers to come back fully and, and be the starter this next year, but uh, this doesn't really change too much of how you approach the soft season. You know, you, you, you know you're going to have to get a younger guy eventually or maybe even go for a top veteran on the market like uh, – Matt Ryan or or Matthew Stafford if they're available in trade talks or something like that. There's a lot of options that the Colts can attack. Uh, a lot of them involve the Colts being really risky and aggressive. Luckily, this roster is already built really strong, and there's not too many. You know, there's obviously some needs that we're going to talk about, but there's not too many fundamental needs that you think the Colts can't survive. You know, without or something like that. So. Uh, overall, I think they, they have the pieces to be aggressive this offseason. They can trade up. That doesn't really change any of that. It just changes how good the Colts might be this next year. Like if they have to go for a stopgap, like an Andy Dalton type or something like that, it could definitely be a different season for the Colts this upcoming season. But, uh, you know, the, the end goal has to be getting either a younger guy or getting a proven veteran uh, to, to kind of keep this team in their win now window. So it's going to be interesting. Chris Ballard, like you said, the future is now. And uh, they can't kick that can down one more season. They kind of have to have to do it, you know, this all season. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree that I I think we thought Rivers was going to be that stopgap, but I'm I'm in support of them getting another one of those veteran free agents. Um, who knows if it's kind of a, a long term guy like a Matt Ryan or Stafford, what have you? But I think regardless, they have to go ahead and get that future guy this offseason. Um, normally, I, I think we all have kind of adopted the we love them picks type of thing for yeah. the draft. But I think a lot of us are on board. Go get your guy this year. Um, I, I think we talked with Jim Aiello again. It's it's expensive if you're going to go get that guy, but the Chiefs don't the Chiefs don't regret trading up to go get Patrick Mahomes and things like that. Sometimes it doesn't work out like a Mitchell Trubisky thing, but if you want your guy and he's there, you might as well go get him. So I mean, if we look at the last couple playoff teams that have made that jump you know we, we had the bills who jumped all the way up for josh allen mm-hmm. we got the the chiefs who jumped all the way up for pat mahomes we got the, the texans who jumped all the way up for sean watson they they worked out pretty well so yeah. if you have conviction and you're good you know you're already a good enough team where you can get your team into the playoffs so you kind of know what you're doing at that point uh you know if you have good enough con- con- conviction the guy go up and get him you know and chris ballard's the type of guy where i think with the scouting staff they have with with you know ed dodds Morocco brown uh, you know, obviously his own scouting talent and stuff like that. If, you, if there's a guy you identify as a playmaker here at this next level, that's that's who they got to go get. Yeah. Uh, the the only thing I don't think is realistic is trading for one of those veteran guys like Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, yeah. whatever, and also trading up to get your quarterback because you don't you just have you only have so much capital, and Easton's going to be the only quarterback under contract, so it's not like they can really ship another quarterback over there. Eason would only, you could probably only trade Eason for like a fifth round pick at best. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he was a fourth round pick last year and didn't play. So 
his value is not going to get higher. Um, so yeah, you probably can't do both. Um, if it's going to happen, you hope one of those guys gets cut or something. Matthew Stafford has a new coach. Matt Ryan has a new coach. Um, Carson Wentz about is about to have a new coach. Ryan Fitzpatrick will be out there. He's probably a free agent. Is that right? Yeah, he's he's an unrestricted free agent, so he'll actually be on the market. Which yeah, that might be the way to go. You don't have to give up anything but money to get him. So yeah, and they did like Andy Dalton a lot this past offseason. Yeah, well. they did want yeah. to sign him. So uh, I think I think he might be available as well. I'm not too sure. I think he is though. I don't hate Andy Dalton for a year, but I mean, fast forward through the through the season for a month or so, and we might think differently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyways, yeah, again, we'll get into all that and more next week. This episode is about focusing on the 2020 defense. Uh, some of the key statistics they finished, uh, they were eighth overall. They allowed 332.1 yards per game. They were tied for 10th in scoring at 22.6 points per game. Uh, they were second against the run, uh, just 90.5 yards per game. Them and the Buccaneers sitting atop, uh, kind of just like last year. Uh, they were 20th against the pass, allowing 241.6 yards per game. They were tied 19th in their opponent's yards per pass attempt at 7.3. Uh, they were tied for 7th in interceptions. They had 15. They were tied for 5th in takeaways in general. They had 25. Uh, tied for 12th in sacks with 40. They were 2nd in their opponent's yards per carry at 3.7. Uh, 19th on third down at 42.4%. They were tied for fifth on fourth down, 42.9%. Uh, they were 20th in the red zone at 62.9%. So although they had a good defense, weren't so great on third down and, and red zone. Um, they were, however, number one overall in defensive touchdowns with five. And they also had another one uh, through kickoff return. And they were tied for first in safeties with three. So... It's not too shocking that that was tied for first. Right. The, the Seahawks came up with, with three safeties too, huh. and their defense was not great. I was kind of yeah. surprised by that. I will say, though, just when you're re reading over those uh, stats there, the obvious ones that the Colts want to bring down this next year, especially if uh, Coach Flues comes back, which it looks like he will, uh, is definitely the third down percentage, the yards per attempt. I don't think the passing yards overall really matter that much, but yeah. the yards per attempt are really big with what they want to do. Uh, and also the red zone one. The red zone one's the biggest. You got to get that down. And I mean, we always call this defense Ben Don't Break, but that's, uh, breaking. that's breaking. Yeah, that's that's you know bottom bottom twelve and and uh, and red zone defense. So they definitely want to get that up towards like the top ten range if they want to take that next step. But you're gonna go over the ranks here. They were they were pretty darn good overall. Yeah, they they were a, a top three, top five defense for most of the year. Uh, second half, last quarter of the season, kind of caught up to them a little bit, but. They they were a legitimately good defense. Um, just some some things leveled out and evened out at the end of the year. But yeah. I don't I don't think anyone can really be displeased with the defense overall. Uh, some of the individual leaders on the on the defense, Darius Leonard, no surprise, led them in tackles with 132. DeForest Buckner led in tackles for loss with 13 and a half, as well as sacks with nine and a half. Uh, Darius Leonard was the leader in forced fumbles with three. And he was tied with Justin Houston and fumbles recovered with two. Uh, the cornerbacks, Xavier Rhodes and Kenny Moore, led the team in pass breakups with 12 each. Moore led the way with interceptions with four. 
And then in defensive touchdowns, Moore, Rhodes, Kari Willis, and TJ Carey all had one. Next up, we'll go ahead and get to our interview with our guy, Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan. Here he is. All right, Colts fans, we got another special guest this week to talk to us about the defensive side of the ball. It is Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan here in Indy, as well as the Kevin's Corner Podcast. How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. This is a um, this is a big time duo here leading this podcast now. Hey, we're trying to trying to make a little noise in the in the indie Colts podcast market. Trying to get on that Kevin Bowen level. Yeah, yeah. Kevin's corner, Zach and Jake's corner. That's what we'll go. <laughs> I know. Like this background for me right now, I'm like in my daughter's nursery room because welcome to quarantine life. My wife has the basement, you know, while <laughs> while she's gonna call. So this is like epitome Kevin's corner. I'm like in a nursery, like with all these books behind me. So hopefully, you know, we can we can kind of block that out in a literal corner. Hey, that's all right. <laughs> my uh, my office since my daughter was born my office has kind of become the the no man's land room where everything nothing that has a home you just kind of put it in there <laughs> so my my office has been a little adjusted a little bit of everything yeah all right so we'll go ahead and get into it here uh talking Colts defense it's been a while since we could probably consider a Colts defensive lineman their MVP on defense huh yeah, yeah. I um, it's funny when when DeForest Buckner was traded, people were like, "Oh yeah, he'll be the best defensive tackle this franchise has ever had." Like when you look at it, it's like, well, that's not really saying much, you know. This <laughs> the franchise hasn't really had a lot of elite defensive tackles, but I mean, having said that, um, he was incredible. I I thought um, really his stats I don't think do it justice enough. Just like the pure sack tackle for loss numbers, I mean, they are still impressive. Don't get me wrong. But really, it's the numbers of what this defense looked like off the field when he was off the field. I think that's oh, yeah. what really shows you MVP, best player, you know, whatever little phrase you want to throw on him for that. Yeah, yeah that 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 second Titans game was gross. <laughs> Zach, I, I know you've you've got some some good Buckner takes. I mean, by by all by all measures that I've seen, this was his most productive year of his career. Even, you know, even considering everything in San Francisco, how do you how do you feel about that, Zach? Yeah, you know, the trade, there was a lot of differing opinions. You know, it was this defensive tackle, even if he was, you know, we're not going to say Aaron Donald level, but in that second tier right behind Donald, even if he was that great, would he be worth the 13th pick plus uh, $20 million a year, which is what he got? Um and I think this year kind of said that he was worth it all. I mean, no matter how you value a defensive tackle, when you watch the Colts defense this year, it, it ran through to Forrest Buckner. Uh, he was the best player on the field every time he stepped on the field. And, and like Kevin said, I mean, his stats really don't show how good he was. You know, the quarterback hits were good and stuff like that and pressures and hurries. Uh, but just those raw stats that people look at, the tackles for a loss and sacks, he was much better than that. Uh, his impact was felt every single game. Uh, I actually think as his sack numbers went up later in the years when that ankle injury started flaring up and he actually wasn't as disruptive as he was early in the season. But uh, yeah, he, he was outstanding this year. Uh, I think he's kind of pulled away to that second best defensive tackle in football. Uh, and the only person he's behind is a surefire Hall of Famer in, in Aaron Donald. So uh, it's, it's good company to be in, you know, just being that first team all pro with, with Donald and stuff. Uh, and he definitely deserved it. Uh, just an outstanding player and, and yeah, the Colts, they needed another elite playmaker on this defense, and that's what they got in Buckner. Yeah, I mean, awarding him that contract extension before he even played is a touch risky. I mean, even though you think you know who you're getting him, 
but I, you know, they've got to love every dime they spent on that, given, given what he was able to uh, provide them. And there was some, some newcomers other than DeForest Buckner on here. Uh, what did you guys think of Julian Blackman in his rookie year? I mean, you, you can't really replace the type of rare special playmaking ability that someone like Malik Hooker offers, but Julian Blackman, even as a rookie, just kind of provided so much stability to the position. Yeah, I do want to throw just one quick thing in on Buckner. The stat that probably impressed me the most was, wasn't it like all the turnovers created for the Colts this season came when he was on the field? Which is like, how do you not, how do you not get one pick, one fumble when he's off the field? I'm like, right. yeah, that is like, whoa. And then to do it when Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead aren't around you anymore. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. playing on the best defensive line in football. But um, yeah, as far as Blackman, I mean, probably my biggest surprise of the year, just because I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm archaic in this thinking, but I just assumed kind of a pseudo redshirt year. You know, he tore that ACL in the Pac-12 title game. So I was like, all right, if the dude can go run down kicks and, you know, play in the dime package, that would be a win by, you know, the second half of the year. And obviously we didn't even see the Colts really use a dime package this season, but he not only is needed in the starting lineup, but again, the playmaking was, was incredible. And, and yeah, a little bit of tapering off through the second half of the season. And, you know, part of that is I think the role in the defense, but I, I you know, he, he wasn't that great, certainly down the stretch. And I think some of the big plays um, you could point to the back end, you know, Kari Wills getting banged up as well, but still um, he's your free safety of the future. And I don't think to say that that confidently, you know, January 19th, 2021 after he was drafted, but the fact that we can say that I think is a huge win for this franchise moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I actually thought it was going to be right to your two. You know, kind of what we saw with Kamoko Ture, how he was kind of slowly come along and then he played late in the season. I kind of expected that out of Julian Blackman. I didn't expect him to step in. I think he stepped on the field, what, week two and stepped in as a starter once Malik Hooker went down in that game. Uh, yeah, he, he was outstanding. I didn't expect this type of production early on. Uh, like you said, he did kind of tamper off a little bit towards the end of the year, uh, allowed some big plays, missed some more tackles than he missed early, but that's going to happen with young defensive backs. There's going to be the rough, rough moments, which I'm sure we're going to talk about with some of these other guys here on, on the Colts defense. But uh, yeah, I thought it was an overall just really, really po- positive year for him. And I'll even go as far as saying, you know, even before January 19th, we didn't know who the future at free safety was going to be with this Colts team going into this last year, unless Malik Cooker had a huge year. Now we know who that future at free safety is going to be. And it's not Malik Cooker, it's, it's Julian Blackman. Yeah, and Malik Hooker, of course, that with that timing, it's a, he's going to be a free agent, so they don't have to worry about, you know, it being a training camp cut or anything like that. It's just yeah. probably going to take care of itself through free agency. Uh, but he's not the only, you know, starter, you know, well-established player who's going to be a free agent. Anthony Walker as well. In your guys' opinion, is Bobby Okariki the mic in 2021, or does Anthony Walker get re-signed? Oh, it's definitely Bobby. Um, yeah, to me at least. I mean, I know Anthony continued to start, but just look at the snap counts. I mean, it mm-hmm. really wasn't even that close. Um, and I think really the writing has kind of been on the wall ever since early last offseason when Jim Mercer kind of threw out Bobby Okariki's name like early on mm-hmm. uh, with like Nelson and Leonard, which, you know, it was kind of like, whoa. Um, but you know, you drafted him in the third round. He obviously has athletic traits that Anthony just doesn't have. And, and, and I just thought at times 
defenses really looked for 54 to be on the field. And when he was in the field, um, tried to involve him, involve him in some space plays and a bit exposed. So I think Anthony does a lot for this defense. I mean, obviously we, we, we heard what Chris thinks of him last week. I mean, you just don't say that the guy's going to be a future NFL head coach or GM if he wants to be. I know Jake, certainly you, you've talked to him. Zach, you have. He's a brilliant, brilliant mind. So you are losing some of that. But, I mean, where is he going to get consistent playing time? Where is he going to start? Now, having said that, if Bobby or Darius go down, then then you're scrambling a little bit. But, yeah, I, I just – I have a feeling he'll get a better opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, the, the only way he could be back from what I see is, you know, this, this free agent market is going to be a very, very weird one because uh, there's so many teams that are in the red right now in terms of cap space and – and I think a lot of those mid-level players like Anthony Walker are going to get hurt by that. So there might be a situation where he gets much less than what we expect and he could come back to the Colts on maybe a one-year deal and try his market again next year. But but like you said, I mean, the, where's the playing time going to be? I think his snaps got down to about 30% uh, late in the season, uh, maybe even down to 20% when Bobby O'Grady was kind of fully back. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just don't really – I don't really see him coming back. I know he's got that bond with Darius Leonard. Uh, Matt Eberflus loves him. Uh, the, 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 everyone loves him there. I mean, I, I talked to him this last offseason. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever talked to. Uh, really, really good guy. But, you know, I, I feel like he's going to get that chance, like uh, someone you can kind of compare him to is like Blake Martinez going from the Packers to the Giants the year before. He's going to get that chance to just be a good, solid starter for another team. And, and uh, you know, some teams just need that right now. So, and, and he'll be able to fill that role. He'll be a solid player for another team. And, and a good locker room guy. So there's going to be a market for that, I think, even in a COVID year, uh, and he'll be a solid starter for another team. But it does suck to, to lose him out of the locker room, uh, but it's just kind of how it is. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the downfall. I mean, it's you can't really call it a downfall, but a good problem. Uh, you know, the, the Colts have been improving. They're going to have good players go elsewhere. Uh, but there's also been a little chatter among coaches as well. Defensive coordinator Matty Berflus, uh, he's he's talked to some teams about head coaching vacancies. Um, it's a little later in the in the process now. So whether he was to go or he's, he still could. Uh, do you guys have kind of a short list of, of candidates you would like at defensive coordinator? And that might include in-house guys as well. Yeah, you know, I I, I think the in-house or I guess, Zach, go ahead. I feel bad taking every first, <laughs> first oh. answer. No, you're good. But I let Jim do it the other day, and Jim didn't even think about that. Jim was just rolling <laughs> the other day. Does not surprise me about Jim. <laughs> we love you, Jim. Uh, I mean, I think I think when you look at in-house guys, uh, there are a couple good candidates. You know, uh, Borgonzi's the linebacker coach, and he's kind of had a lot of the same – you know, he's kind of studied the same way that Eberflus did before he came up and became a defense coordinator. You know, he, he's been a lot in that Tampa 2 system, that, that cover 2 system for a long time spent time in Dallas, spent time in Tampa under, I think, Lovey uh, out there, Lovey Smith out there. Uh, so he could be a guy, but even though he's never really called plays before, uh, Jonathan Gannon, the, Col- the Colts defensive back coach right now, is getting looks from other teams to be defense coordinators. So if Eberflus were hired right now to be the Texans head coach, maybe he could be an option. Uh, but I, I'd probably guess it'd be someone on the outside, I mean, unless they think Borgonzi's ready. Uh, I would guess maybe someone on the outside. I know that Lovey Smith said he'd be interested in coming back into, into coaching. Um, that could be an option due to his ties with Ballard and kind of a similar type of scheme. Uh, I'm sure there's other guys out there um, coaching wise. I really personally like Raheem Morris before it seems like he's going to go to the Rams now. 
Uh, I really like what Raheem Morris did with the uh, Falcons late this past year, but it does look like he's going to the Rams, but there's going to be some options. There's a couple in-house guys, uh, maybe some, some older coaches that people aren't going to be super excited about like Lovey, but um, th- there's definitely options to replace Eberflus. It would, it would hurt for sure. Cause Eberflus has been great for this team the last three years. Uh, but there, there are some, some good options for the Colts. Yeah, I would say um, the other in-house name is Alan Williams to yeah. me just because he's done it before. Um, he's a defensive coordinator in Minnesota. I think he's the only person on the defensive staff that has been a coordinator in the NFL. Um, and Alan Williams is kind of the safeties coach. Jonathan Gannon, kind of the cornerbacks coach, just for people out there that are a little confused. I feel like both of them we just kind of label as, oh, yeah, they're DB coaches. That's kind of how the breakdown is. And, you know, Gannon's a name we've seen thrown around for other D.C. openings, it seems like. And he's got a scouting background that I know several NFL people have always been really high on him. And I know a lot of people will be like, you know, Quincy Wilson, Rocky Seen, they don't they didn't develop. You know, who knows exactly just, you know, what the major, major intrigue is in there. I, I think one thing that is that I'm adamant about, or at least I have a strong belief that the Colts would follow in, I don't think the system is being overhauled by any means. Like Chris Ballard literally the system. And I think Frank agrees with it. And I think Chris ultimately probably has to say in that, you know, they've drafted to the system, certainly uh, linebacker being the position, maybe more than any else that they've just completely overhauled and rebuilt the front, you know, from a, a three, four front to this four, three, and, you know, such a huge emphasis on speed. So yeah, I, I agree, um, you know, on some of those candidates. Lovey Smith's a name I haven't really thought too much about, but, you know, I, I guess it does ch- check some boxes there, although, you know, I can just see my mentions filling, filling yeah, up about that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when uh, I said it. <laughs> and, 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 we'll, and, you know, we'll obviously see what what plays out with, you know, Flus and the Texans thing, you know. I went on Houston radio earlier today, and they were kind of like, why do you think there's interest there? You know, remember, Flus was that Josh McDaniels hire. So, like, the New England tree, there's – been some interest in Eberflus before so um, again I it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but yeah I would think internal candidate and I would think certainly keeping the same system will be um, you know paths that they go down yeah the biggest thing I would say just to add to that is look at those like Tony Dungy Rod Marinelli type coaching trees if you're trying to get a sense of where the Colts might want to go you know if it's not an in-house guy uh, those are the senses that you probably want to look at that's that's what I typically look at you know there's a lot of overlap uh, between a lot of those guys. Uh, but on the Houston job, I think it's it's probably coming down to Leslie Frazier, Flus, and, and Bien-Ami. Uh mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're going to go with Bienemy here at the end of the day to try to appease Sean Watson. And there have right. been a couple reports that they are in negotiations with him uh, that have kind of come out the last couple of days. But uh, we'll see with that. I do think Flus does have a chance with it, but I, I would assume it's going to be Bienemy at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it, it certainly doesn't seem like he's, you know, the, the leader in the clubhouse. It's just, you know, mostly his his name's getting some buzz. Um, I, I, I think it was, yeah, it was uh, Atlanta Falcons, an Atlanta Falcons podcast I talked to about a month or so ago asking about him. Um, so there's been, it, there's been uh, interest in him for a while. But yeah, I, I you guys talked about Jonathan Gannon, you know, for the continued development of Rocky Sin and even Marvell Tell when he gets back gotta hope he stays in place because we've we've seen what he's helped do for Xavier Rhodes and things like that so Gannon uh Gannon that's that's definitely one you don't want to let it let get away and then my last question gotta have something draft related in here 
we we talked with Jim about this last week, but let's say the Colts are sitting there at 21 and they're not trading up or down. There's no quarterback that they love there and there's no left tackle they love there either. Is edge rusher where you go in that scenario? Let's say like Gregory Russo or someone is, is available. Is that where you pull the trigger or do you, would you prefer to just try and trade back and, and grab more picks? <laughs> well, knowing Chris Valley is probably going to want to trade back and grab more picks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't matter so what picks. the board looks like. Yeah. yeah. Be the best player in a decade on there. He's going to tra- trade back and get more picks. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think if you look at it from the standpoint of what they need most, especially in terms of, of talent, on de- especially on defense, is that edge rusher. Uh, there are some ways they can attack it in free agency. There's a, it's a really deep class in free agency, so maybe we won't be talking about it as big a need come draft time. Uh, but I think this class is pretty solid on the edge. Uh, they need an impact guy who can you know create that speed off the edge and, and bring some juice off the edge. Uh, the young guys really haven't been getting it done. Uh, the older players like Justin Houston and Nico Autry, they've been, they've been fine, but it's been that lack of consistent pressure uh, throughout the course of the year, which really hurt the Colts. So, I think they, they should go edge rusher. I think corner is also in play, uh, but it, it should be an edge rusher if, if you know, they're staying at that pick. Yeah, I would agree there. Um, you know, part of me is like, do you draft another wide out? I, you know, yeah. that's another name. But, you know, I, I think that's a deep group in free agency um, as well. And so that could kind of be a route. And you might want more of a compliment veteran-wise to what you have and, you know, Hopefully it's Campbell staying healthy than Michael Pittman, who I think, you know, everyone's pretty bullish on as they should be. But yeah, I mean, certainly edge rusher. And, you know, I, I, I get what Chris is saying. It can take times. It can take several years for edge rushers to emerge. And you also find edge rushers that impact the game right away. Um, you know, and is there any regret over the Montez sweat situation? You know, I know that was such a medical uh, deal with him, but obviously you traded back there and, you know, I think sweats had, a pretty productive first two seasons or certainly um, is on track to be, you know, he's playing on a great defensive front and all that, but you wonder if that's, you know, still on his mind at all, that situation there. But certainly to me, it's uh, the edge rush group was the biggest disappointment of the season, you know, with what Buckner commanded in the middle, I just thought you would win some more one-on-ones outside. I thought, you know, and, and I know Justin Houston had seven or eight sacks, but if you looked at, you know, his QB, uh, you know, hits number, I'm very, very low compared to the sack numbers. And then obviously Ture and Banigou, you know, kind of speaks for itself, just the lack of production. And you know, Ture, I think more physically related, Banigou, who the hell knows? So, um, yeah, I, I, I just think Ed Rusher is a, is a huge, huge need uh, moving forward. Yeah, Houston and, and Autry also free agents and north of 30 years old. So, <laughs> You've got young guys in there, like you said, Ture. Let let's see if if the injury stuff gets kicked and and he starts developing, you know, further and gets back on track. Ben Banigou, hopefully it's a Taekwon Lewis hiccup where you know the sophomore year was just scratch it off, and then year three is is more productive. But they they got to have more of a plan at edge rusher uh, this this season coming up. But fellas, I think we put in a good day's work here. Uh, KB, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, everyone, you already are, so I don't need to tell you, but make sure you're following Kevin on Twitter and, and all his work for uh, 107.5 The Fan. And yeah, uh, thanks again, fellas. Appreciate it. I love both of you guys' work. We'll have to do it again sometime this offseason. Absolutely. You know, you know you'll be back on. 
<laughs> See you guys. Yeah, take care. Thanks again to Kevin for his time. Be sure to check him out on 1075thefan.com and on Twitter at kbowen1070. Now we go ahead and we're just going to kind of break things down position by position on the defense. Uh, we'll generalize the the defensive line here. Uh, Zach, what do you think about that defensive line? It's it's obviously it's it's their focal point of the whole unit. They want that dominant three technique, so they went out and got them in DeForest Buckner. Uh, they got some okay performances off the edge as far as as uh, pressure and sacks go, but they obviously need more. Um, ben Banigou, a no-show this year. Kamoko Toure didn't really get to do much, but he did get back on the field, which is huge. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that unit this year? I think when you look at the overall defensive line, it was pretty solid. Uh, it's a definitely a big difference, though, between the interior play and the outside play on the yeah. edge. Uh, interior play, I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, DeForest Buckner uh, was, you know, one of the best defensive players in all of football this year. Uh, Grover Stewart was rewarded with a big contract, and he made a huge jump in his game. I mean, 2019, I was a huge fan. I was, you know, on that bandwagon for all of 2019 thinking, like, okay, he's a really good one-tech. Uh, the one issue I really had though in 2019 was his ability to get off blocks and instead of like eating space and, and really driving guys back, get off those blocks and make some plays. And we saw this year that he was just a different animal. Uh, I'm super impressed with his development. Taylor Stallworth was a great rotational guy. Uh, Danico Autry, when he came inside also was a really good rotational guy. So the interior was great. Uh, it was just the, the, the edge play, which I think kind of tapered off towards the end of the season uh, Justin Houston was very inconsistent, uh, getting pressure. Like when he, you know, when he got back there, he got some sacks, got some really nice plays on sacks, but, uh, I think he only had three quarterback hits the whole year while he had, I think eight and a half sacks or seven and a half sacks. So you would like to see more consistent pressure from him. Uh, those, those sack numbers aren't going to carry forward if you're not getting consistent pressure. Daniel Gualtry was kind of similar, except that he, uh, you know, was a little bit more consistent, uh, when, cause he got, was able to jump inside a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, Ben Banigou didn't really do much of anything this year. Kamoko Ture didn't really get going until end of the year. So, yeah, the, the edge play could definitely be better, and I think that's a huge target this offseason. But on the interior with, with Grover and, and Buckner, and those guys are locked up for the next at least three years together. Uh, you know, both of them will be together for the next three years. Uh, just, just an outstanding duo, and I think they're going to be uh, among the best in the league for the next couple of years. Absolutely. And another guy I want to make sure that we shout out is Taekwon Lewis. Um, his second season was just a, a complete flop. He was a healthy scratch most games. Uh, he had that, I think, foot or ankle injury that just he wasn't able. He just wasn't the same during the season. And that really hindered him. And then he came back this year, was able to move inside and out and had four sacks. So uh, definitely want to point that out and hopefully he keeps building on that next year because maybe he won't be like a special player, but if if you've got an inside out guy that can give you four, five, six sacks a year, that's very reasonable. So yeah. it's good to see him kind of rebound and do that. Um, Kamoko Toure, I was kind of thinking, so they, they need edge help this off season, obviously. Um, We've yet to see what Ture could be. We, we didn't really get to see that second year jump, obviously, because he was on the mend most of the year. Uh, finally showed some flashes there at the end. I think despite him and Banigou being around, they still need to invest in, in young edge help. Uh, Ture is probably, he's probably going to be a pretty decent edge rusher, but likely just a situational pass rusher. 
Uh, you, you don't really want him out there against the run much. We have no idea what Banigou is going to be, even though edge rushers take time to develop. I, I'm not throwing in the towel on him yet, but um, Autry and Houston are both free agents. They probably bring at least one of them back. I'd have to imagine, even though both are 30 plus years old, yeah. uh, but they definitely are going to still need to invest in young edge help. And then behind those guys, uh, linebacker, Darius Leonard having another Pro Bowl year. Uh, I believe he was he was all pro again. Yeah. Yeah. First team all pro. Yeah, first team all pro, um, which was I don't want to say surprising because there's a lot of there's a lot of respect that his name carries around the league and to the voters and, and things now. Um, but he didn't really have that gaudy season that we normally see, you know, a few interceptions, you know, force fumbles, touchdowns, all that good stuff. He was very clutch and he was very productive, um, but still, still getting the all pro nod. Uh, we have started to see the Bobby Okariki uh, presence coming up at Mike, him eating more into Anthony Walker's snaps Anthony Walker now is going to be facing free agency. Uh, as you see with, uh, with our talk with uh, Kevin Bowen, what, you know, what, what's the future with Walker? Is it Bobby Okariki's position moving forward? Uh, so what did you think of those, those linebackers this year? I, I don't want to say I was kind of disappointed, but I think my expectation was probably higher than where they played this year, you know? So I wouldn't really call it necessarily disappointed because they weren't really bad by any means, but um, you know, Anthony Walker was Anthony Walker. Uh, there's going to be some issues in, in the open field. There's going to be some issues in coverage, but for the most part, very sturdy run defender, uh, really smart player kind of did what he always does. Um, and yeah, he's likely going to be out this season from, or this next season from, you know, our conversation with Kevin, you guys are hearing, but um, I, yeah, I think Okariki made a good, some good positive steps. I don't think he really took that step as looking like a, a legit starter next to Leonard. Like he, you know, early in the season, he was looking like a legit guy, like the great coverage guy made some really nice plays. And then you kind of saw his play kind of fade down the stretch. I think some of that had to do with some injury issues he had later in the season, also some inconsistencies with playing time. So maybe that'll change next year. Uh, but he, he should be the the starter going forward. And then Darius Leonard, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about later with the, the question aspect, but, you know, I think it was a good season. I, I, like, I don't want to say it wasn't a good season, but, you know, the expectation when you're an all pro uh, your first couple of seasons in the, in the league is going to be super high. And I don't think he really hit that all pro expectation personally. Uh, I think he was overall pretty good. Uh, there were some issues in coverage, not not glaring issues, but there were some issues in coverage. Uh, he didn't make those playmaking, you know, big difference plays. I mean, the, the the second Houston game when he punched the ball out the one yard line obviously was a huge one, uh, but it just didn't seem like there was that many this year compared to the, the in years past. And I'm not saying that, you know, obviously getting as many interceptions and forced fumbles and sacks as he had in his first couple of years isn't super, super sustainable. Uh, but you kind of live with his inconsistencies when he's making those plays this year, when he didn't really make all those plays that he was making in years past, the inconsistencies kind of showed up a little bit more. So I don't, I don't think they were bad by any means. I think it was a, it was a solid season from the linebacker group. Uh, I guess I just expected a little bit more. So hopefully going forward, we can see Okariki take that next step and be a legit starting linebacker in the league. And Darius Leonard, even though he was an all pro this year can kind of make those, those huge game changing plays that he made in years past. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same camp. Uh, I I think I expected Bobby Okariki to take a real big step uh, above because we did see some really special things from him 
in year one. And Darius Leonard, to me, he's one of those guys that's got like the killer mentality. He's like a Kobe Bryant type near the end of the game. The fourth quarter, you just expect some enormous game-changing play. And not that he didn't do it, but it's just maybe the opportunities weren't there as often. Um, But still, an all-pro season nonetheless, um, we, we don't. We don't expect anything less from him because that's that's the type of production he's given. Uh, we'll go ahead and go to the corners now. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, the Colts got a, a little bit of a uh, resurrection from him. He was an All-Pro, I think, in 2017 out in Minnesota. Had a couple down years. Uh, there's some things marred by injury and just really inconsistent play those last couple years. Vikings fans were ready for him to go. And then he, he comes here to the Colts on a cheaper deal, is reunited with Jonathan Gannon. And lo and behold, he has another excellent season. Uh, maybe not maybe not all pro worthy, but I wouldn't have been shocked if he would have been in the Pro Bowl. You know, just the, the Pro Bowl is a little flimsy. So I wouldn't have been shocked if, if he would have made the Pro Bowl. But nonetheless, he was a terrific signing for the Colts. There, there's really no doubting that. Kenny Moore was Kenny Moore. Uh, he's a very instinctive guy, puts himself in the right right place at the right time. Uh, TJ Carey, I, I think we've got to tip our cap to him, was another – I would say he was more of a pleasant surprise than Rhodes because we knew Rhodes had that that type of game in him. Uh, TJ Carey kind of came out of nowhere to play really well. There, there was a couple blunders during the season, but I think he exceeded expectations because I don't even know that we had expectations generally. Uh, you know, thought maybe he would be a backup backup swing guy for Kenny Moore, maybe even get beat in camp by Isaiah Rogers or something for the nickel potentially. Uh, but I, I think he far surpassed that, especially since he was playing on the outside, which you and I discussed when they signed him, we didn't expect much if he was going to play outside. Um, so your evaluation of the cornerbacks. I think you hit the nail on the head with all those uh, Xavier Rhodes. You know, I, I like the signing, but I was kind of scared of him being a starter. Uh, just because if you look at his 2019 film, he looked pretty cooked from an athletic standpoint. He didn't really look like he had it anymore. And I don't know, maybe it was all injury in 2019 because he looked like his old self. I mean, he wasn't a burner on the outside with elite speed, but uh, he could keep up with receivers. He wasn't getting beat down the field, uh, had made a nice, you know, good bit of uh, uh, pass breakups on the year. I think he was in the top eight in the NFL, I think, for corners and pass breakups. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, Pro Football Focus ranked uh, Kenny Moore and Xavier Rhodes as top 10 corners in the league this year. Yeah. Uh, Kenny was eighth and and Xavier Rhodes was fifth. So that's how good those two played. I mean, just outstanding football. Uh, Rockison, we're going to talk about a little bit here with the question part. I think the first question is yeah. what we're going to address with that. <laughs> but the, the way I'll kind of say it, it, it was a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde season with him. You know, there were some really, really good moments where you could see that positive uh like production and positive improvements where you'd be like, okay, this guy can be a legit corner uh, for this team. Maybe not like a star, but you know, a starting corner in this league, but it was kind of marred by, by the bad play. And I think that was, that was very disappointing and it kind of hung a bit of a cloud over the cornerback group in general. Uh, But I mean, when you look at it, they had, they got really top level play from two corners and Kenny Moore and Xavier Rhodes. And then TJ Carey played, you know, fairly well. Again, I didn't have many expectations at all, especially if he was going to play on the outside and I think they got, what, three interceptions from him. They got a couple of nice pass breakups. He started a couple games. Uh, he gave up a few touchdowns late in the season, but honestly, I expected many more than that yeah. uh, throughout the year if he's going to play on the outside. So 
excellent signing by Chris Ballard. I think it was a one-year, $1 million contract. And honestly, if that contract is around the same this offseason, which it might be, I'd be all for bringing him back. So, uh, yeah, I think overall the cornerback group was pretty solid. I, I mean, obviously you would like to see more from Rocky Sin, but having two top corners and a good depth guy is, is pretty darn good. Yeah, uh, PFF actually ranked the Colts sixth in coverage defensively on the season. So that's um, – I guess that's that's uh, in line with what you would hope to see. I mean, six is, mm-hmm. is a really great number. Yeah, you so. can't complain too much there. Yeah, because they, they often seem to penalize uh, cover two zone teams like that too. Teams oh, they that, hate the Colts linebackers too. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if you I look at their coverage grades, the linebackers' coverage grades, don't look at that. <laughs> right. <laughs> or their overall grades. I think I think Walker and Okariki, there were some weeks where they had like 20 overall grades. Yeah. From like 20 or 30, which – you know, Pro Football Focus, I think, is a great source of info for their, their like, in-depth stats and stuff. I use those all the time. I think they're great at charting. Grades are a little inconsistent to me, but I do think mm. they're a good metric of kind of where guys are playing. Yeah, generally. it's It was weird because I feel like Darius Leonard's weekly grades are either, like, an 85 or a 50. Like, yeah. <laughs> And it's almost always dependent on coverage. It's I got I got excited when Okariki got above like a fifty. Like that right. was they hated Okariki all year, man. Yeah, they absolutely hated him. I, I looked at his stuff the other day. He was one of the bottom bottom linebackers, bar, bottom starting linebackers, I think. So that's not great. Yeah, safeties, a group that has pretty much completely transformed over the last year, year and a half. Um, last year, looking at last year at the beginning of the year. You thought it was Clayton Gathers and Malik Hooker. And then in comes Kari Willis as a rookie and claims that strong safety spot from Gathers. And then this year you think it's cool. Kari Willis and Malik Hooker. Lo and behold, Malik Hooker uh, ruptures an Achilles and goes out for the year, I think in week two. And um, everyone I think had really high hopes for him. They wanted to see more consistency, maybe, you know, a couple of his signature splash plays but he gets hurt and then a, a rookie coming off his own season. Well, you can't really say a season ending injury if it happens in a conference game. Ended game. Season. Yeah, it, it technically did. But so uh, Julian Blackman had a torn ACL back in December, 2019. Uh, he was able to come back and he looked really good early on. Um, he's a smart guy. Luckily there, luckily there wasn't an enormous learning curve for a guy like him. Who's bread and butter is, is football IQ basically. Um, he did kind of tail off a little bit later in the season, wasn't making his biggest splash plays consistently. And there were some coverage, you know, there were some things allowed in coverage around his way. Um, but yeah, still, nonetheless, people were, people around here were harping his name for defensive rookie of the year all season. Uh, so I, I think fans are at least pleased there. So going forward, we know the safety tandem is Kari Willis and uh, Julian Blackman. And I think people are a okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a okay with that. I love, I love that duo. Um, they're going to be really solid here for the Colts for a while. And uh, you know, you hyped on Julian Blackman. Everything you said was was right on. I mean, kind of tapered off a little bit towards the end of the season, but uh, I think overall it was a very, very positive rookie year, especially coming off that injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kari Willis, I think, made some great improvements though, and you could see the difference when he was off the field compared to when he was on. I, I would honestly say, probably outside of DeForest Buckner and probably Kenny Moore. He was those obvious guy. You could tell when they were off the field, how offenses were moving. Yes. Yeah. Because 
like it's not even that Corey Willis is just great in coverage. Like he's this elite coverage guy, uh, but he, he improved mightily. I think in, in his rookie year, it was, he had like a pass rating of like 115 when he was targeted. And then this past year, it was like 88, I think. So still not amazing, but, but pretty solid uh, compared to where he was. Uh, the coverage got better. Uh, his run defense is always going to be near the top of the league. His tackling is super consistent. Uh, just a really, really solid safety to pair with Julian Blackman. So I, I think the depth could have been better. I think Tavon Wilson started the year fairly well. And then when he had to play a little bit more in place of Kari Willis, it just wasn't great. So maybe they look to get a, a different veteran safety as the backup this year, or maybe they look in the draft on like day three. Uh, and then George Odom was more of a special teamer, but I mean, he was the lead special teamer. I would, I wish he would have played more on defense this year, but you know, you can only play so much when you got two legit starters. So the Colts are going to be fine for the near and maybe even long-term future with those two. Uh, I don't really see them going anywhere and just, just a perfect complimentary duo there on the back end. Absolutely. Angie's list is now Angie and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects no phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Okay, so it is now time for our defensive four horsemen of the season. I, uh, I almost copped out a little bit, but I'll go ahead and give you my four. So first, I think DeForest Buckner is obvious. You have to start there. Uh, the Colts paid handsomely for him, both in draft capital and actual money. Uh, they traded the 13th overall pick in the last year's draft. And then I think gave him a five-year extension that made him I, I think, only behind Aaron Donald in terms of pay, right, for defensive tackles. If it's not, it should be. But Yeah, <laughs> but he, he lived up to it. He had, he had the best season of his career, uh, statistically, pro football focus grades, and that was right on the heels of appearing in the Super Bowl with the 49ers. And he he did it. He did it not surrounded by elite line talent, so that was great. No no way the Colts would do anything differently there. Um, next up, Darius Leonard. Obviously, he's he's a difference maker. He's the heartbeat of that defense. Um, like we discussed, maybe not like that vintage Darius Leonard season, but he was an all-pro. Uh, flies around. You notice when he's not playing either. Uh, he's kind of like Harry Willis. If he's not playing, then you see you know bad things are happening. Yeah. The same can be said for Buckner, obviously, because that Tennessee game was just it was bad. <laughs> you know, Bobby O'Grigi yeah. also missed that game, but nobody's ever going to talk about that. Before. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And then my second four, I I really wanted to put Blackman in there, given the stability of the safety position. But instead, I'm going with Kenny Moore and Xavier Rhodes. Uh, we've we've talked plenty about them already. Kenny Moore is just he's a very savvy defender. Uh, I don't know that anyone in the league plays against Deshaun Watson as good as he does. <laughs> yeah, his stats against Watson are outstanding. Yeah, God. you look at the targets and you look at the interceptions versus touchdown. I mean, it's a, it's amazing. Deshaun yeah. Watson. Would not be in the league anymore if he only played against Kenny Moore. Exactly. Pro, pro rate 16 games against Kenny Moore, and he looked <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, Scott Tolzien level level play against Kenny Moore. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so 
he he gets labeled as a, a slot defender all the time, but he plays like 100% of the snaps. You know, w- when they're when they're in base, he's outside. So Kenny Moore does it all. You know, he's a he's a productive pass rusher as a as a defensive back as well. And then Xavier Rhodes, like we said, kind of resurrected a bit. Uh, often took away his his chunk of the field. Uh, he did well against guys like Adam Thielen. Uh, he did well against Allen Robinson. So he he lived up to the hype and, and answered the challenge. Now, if the Colts are going to be able to bring him back, who knows? Because I think his contract is going to be pretty unique. Uh, maybe not unique, but it'll be interesting nonetheless. But we'll get to that during the questions. Uh, but I would now like to hear your four horsemen. So I wanted to change it up a little bit for you because mm-hmm. I'd probably have Rhodes and, and probably Leonard in there as well if I did, if you know if I did legit four best players. But you knew who uh, I'd have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I read who you had before, so I had to yeah. change. It but uh, obviously Buckner and Kenny Moore, I'm going to have regardless because I think those are the two top players on the defense. Probably the two top players on the team, or two of the top players on the team. I mean, just two outstanding players. Buckner is a bona fide All Pro. Kenny would be if they included slot corners in that. Uh, He would obviously be an all-pro player if they did, or at least get some votes. I mean, geez, I I just want to get him a vote one of these times, but uh, he he should be. Uh, But the other two guys I'm going to go with are two guys who I've been really big on all season. I think make huge strides. Grover Stewart and and Kari Willis. I think they kind of proved their value to this team this season, and they went from solid role players to legit starters that – you know, if they miss time, we know that they're not out there. Uh, Grover, elite athlete for a defensive tackle, made a lot of plays as a one-tech, which a lot of one-techs don't really do. I think he was I think he was third in the NFL in run-stop percentage, according to Pro Football Focus, among defensive linemen. And that includes being above DeForest Buckner. So pretty pretty darn good stats there. And then uh, Kari Willis, like I said, improvements in coverage. Uh, the, the biggest thing, honestly, in, in year one was getting those interceptions and forcing turnovers. I, you know, we didn't really. I think he had one pass breakup in year one and zero interceptions. This year, he had two interceptions, one for return for a touchdown, and I believe he had a, like four or five pass breakups. So still not elite again, but taking those positive steps and a guy with his mentality and and his maturity, it wouldn't shock me if he became a captain. By the way, this all season with with a couple guys departing, uh, yeah. he, he's just that kind of guy in the locker room. So. Uh, yeah, Grover and Kari Willis, I think, are two really underrated players on this team and and uh, really key cogs on what's going to be this defense going forward. Yeah, I, I love those picks. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned those because they, they obviously deserve recognition as well. So that is kind of us yapping generally about the defense. Uh, before we get into your questions, let's hear from another sponsor. With a new year comes tons of new big games in sports. With big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus get free shipping with the code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Try out the Snack Pack Combo featuring small plates with big flavor. Mini beef Wellington steak burger sliders, mac and cheese melts, shrimp wrapped in bacon. I'm going to try to get through this without my mouth watering here. But I know. Let's, let's see if I can. Every order is flash frozen delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Basically every cut of steak imaginable plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. Again, go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day. 
and use the code BLEAV, B-L-E-A, at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games, big taste. God, I love to have them as a sponsor now. That's it really makes me uncomfortable reading it because I'd rather be eating, but dude, when I hear steaks, yeah. I'm just like, Oh, a steak God, is right now. Dude, I know. <laughs> I've my my birthday's coming up this weekend and I am I've been waffling back and forth on what I want for dinner and I think this is pushing it into steak territory. I, I think that steak might is be never a bad option. Like no matter even like a bad steak is still good. Like, you know, like, yeah. A bad steak's better than most meals. Exactly. A, a, a rest stop diner steak is still fire. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I do. I, I can go for steak every night. All right. So you guys probably agree. And without us talking about steak anymore, let's go ahead and hear from you guys. We'll answer your questions. <laughs> so first up, for, and these are all from, uh, from Twitter, the questions you guys sent us. This is from Andrew Miller, friend of the show. He said, do you also see Rocky Sin as our biggest weakness on defense? And he he didn't quite call Rocky Sin by his regular name. So <laughs> he called it by a commonly used nickname. Also. Yeah, fan, fans fans get uh, frustrated. Yeah. But no, I uh, I God, I think he's one of the most inconsistent players on the defense. Yes, but I I just really don't think I can say he's their biggest weakness on defense. No, no, I I, I would. I would say probably exterior pass rush might be the biggest issue because I would say that, consistent pressure is way more of a weakness than Yasin's play on the outside this year. Yeah, because we honestly don't hear there, there's not much to bitch about Rock until you see the flags, and those yep. come in bunches for him. They're not an every week thing. It's the one or two games where he just gets picked on mightily that that kind of set the tone in fans eyes for an entire season for him. We saw it last year as a rookie. He had that Broncos game that was awful when it comes to to penalties, but really he had a hell of a back half of the season. Yeah. But if if fans see penalties, that kind of that kind of gives them all the information they want to know. Uh so no, I don't think Rock is biggest weakness and I also like to be patient with cornerbacks too. Um it's it's kind of like young pass rushers, they do take a while. It's like Tim Jennings a lot, a lot of you who were here for the mid two thousands, uh, Tim Jennings was, uh, th- I think third rounder by the Colts fans wanted him out of town. He goes to the bears and he's an all pro cornerback. He, he's arguably like a top three, top five cornerback in the league. Once he goes to the bears and it was a somewhat similar system. I mean, he was going from Tony Dungy to lovey Smith, which is the uh, same. It, yeah, it, exa- you know, it's a little different, but it's the cover too. Exactly. So it's not like he found a new scheme that was like home for him is that uh is that the pup they're making its debut oh my gosh dude he is losing his mind i'm gonna take his collar <laughs> off so we don't hear the jingle in the background and that's then... perfect <laughs> we hear we hear lucy barking all the time in the background all right so go ahead and introduce us to uh the other the other show pup what's the name this is pudge right here we gotta release the video of it of him jumping up here so it actually makes sense <laughs> if you leave this by any chance but... oh yeah uh yeah but yeah going over uh rocky suck is what some people have been <laughs> saying about him again it's the it's the jekyll and hyde thing and, and i think more people will will focus on the hyde than the jekyll where the the great the good plays are there and the positive improvements are there i i think as a zone corner when he's purely in zone uh, especially in that cover two zone the colts love to run 
Uh, he, he's outstanding. I mean, when he when he can get his eyes on the quarterback, read everything in front of him, and uh, confidently move through his through his uh, you know through his drops, I think he's outstanding. Uh, we saw it against the the Packers with that interception he had. I think that was one of the top plays that the Colts had all season, besides you know Kenny Moore's one handed interception. Oh God! <laughs> Until Kenny Moore's one handed interception, that was the top play of the season, I think, for the Colts. I mean, it was an outstanding read. Uh, where he left his zone coverage and baited Aaron Rodgers into a pick. Aaron Rodgers, of all people, I think yeah. the best touchdown interception ratio yeah. in the history of football. He does not uh, throw picks. Yeah, but I do get where the frustrations frustrations come from because where he gets beat and where he gets hurt is those deep passes where he's in phase back to the quarterback. And you know, in the NFL, if you get a pass interference forty yards down the field, that is killer. Absolutely yeah. killer. We saw it multiple times. So, yeah, the 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 frustrations are there, and I get it. I I still don't think there's like I wouldn't. He's not Quincy Wilson, you know. There, there's no reason to really give up on Yasin right now because he has given you some moments of positive play. Where Wilson, we rarely got those. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really needs to improve in phase, though, and that's going to be the biggest thing for him going forward. So hopefully, he takes that next step. We've seen him bounce back in the past from bad moments. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, the bad moments this year, especially deep and in phase really hurt the team. And I get why people are upset about it. It's just, you know, cutting him or getting rid of him just doesn't make sense to me. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's not free from criticism by any means, but it's not time to move on from him either. No. All right. Next question from Justin Bowerly. What are we doing with the linebacker position outside of Leonard? Who is starting day one? Uh, so you guys, we, we talked about this with Kevin. Uh, if we had to guess, it, it looks like it's Darius at Will and then Bobby Okariki at Mike. Uh, Anthony Walker will probably get a nice offer elsewhere, I'm sure. Uh, he's a productive, solid player. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the, the Colts have Bobby Okariki, who they would like to get involved more. I think Chris Ballard acknowledged, you know, Walker would like to play a little more. His, his snaps have maybe gone down a bit. So um, if I had to guess, it's it's Leonard at Will, Okariki at Mike. And maybe EJ Speed cracks it at Sam. Uh, Zaire Franklin, I Zaire Franklin, I think has been the occasional Sam when there's injuries. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I would like to see EJ Speed be the Sam this year. I mean, he he seemed to get more action as a rookie or like in the preseason and training camp with that main group than he did this year. He was uh, kind of more of a special teamer. But what do you think? I think uh, I think too many people look at the traditional linebacker thing of three linebackers start. The Colts do not have three starting linebackers. No. They don't. Like even even this year when they had three starting caliber linebackers, it was two guys that would start. The sandbacker, a, a true sandbacker in this defense plays maybe 15 to 20% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. So that third backer doesn't really matter that much. Uh, it, obviously, there's an injury they do. Uh, but I would say, you know, easily the two starters are going to be Okariki and Leonard. Uh, the Sam backer, I say just rough percentage. I say 80% likely it's going to be Franklin, uh, probably 15% it's going to be speed. And then 5% maybe like a rookie that they take mm-hmm. uh, on early day three or something or mid day three. But uh, I prepare for Zaire Franklin to play a little bit more snaps this year, but for the most part, it's going to be the the Oak Ricky and Leonard show there at linebacker. Yeah, exactly. The, the Sam just really doesn't play in this system. And you've really only seen it happen this, this last season or so because they wanted to get Okariki involved. Yeah. But moving forward, if, if Walker, if Walker leaves in free agency, then it'll, it'll be heavily sub packages. They're, they're 
it'll be rare for for the Sam to be out there, I would think. Uh, next question is from Lucas Robbins. If Matt Eberflus accepts the Texans job offer, who would be the replacement? Linebacker coach Dave Borgonzi or defensive line coach Brian Baker seem like the top in-house candidates, but are there any outside candidates that interest you as fits? Uh, I, I think we've also got to throw Alan Williams in there, and that's that's if, uh, of course, is it, I already Jonathan said his Gannon. name once. Jonathan. Yeah, Gannon. yeah, yeah. And that's if Jonathan Gannon isn't, you know, he he Jonathan Gannon would probably be option number one in house because he's getting interviews for other teams for defensive coordinator, and he's got a great track record of of. Um, turning guys around and, and just getting the most out of, of some of his guys. So um, in-house, those would be my guys. Um, I know you've got, you've got a better list of, of exterior candidates, I think. Yeah. You know, I had, a, I think I have a list in here, but um, yeah, I, I wrote it not too long ago. So I'm trying to find it. Here we go. Uh, so yeah, looking at, you know, you obviously want to look at the cover two uh, tree or whatever. And if you look at the Dungy and Marinelli tree, you got guys like Eric Washington, who's a D-line coach in Buffalo. Uh, Raheem Morris, who I think is about to accept a defense coordinator job with someone else. But I would have loved to have him and Flus left, but I don't see uh, Eberflus leaving, hopefully. But uh, mm-hmm. Morris is going to go to, I think, uh, the Rams, I think, is where he's, he yeah. officially got hired. Uh, another one is Todd Walsh, the guy who's a defense coordinator for the Jaguars the last couple of years. So that's that's an option. Uh, Reich has connections to Joe Barry, and Joe Barry also was in – that that uh, Dungy and Marinelli tree. Joe Barry, uh, you know, I, I grew up a Washington fan. Mm-hmm. I do not want Joe Barry as a defense coordinator, <laughs> but that could be an option. And then uh, Ballard also worked uh, with Steve Wilkes over in Chicago years ago. And again, Wilkes also comes from that cover two tree with, uh, I think he worked under Lovey Smith. So those are a couple guys uh, who could be options, but I think most likely if Flus were to leave, which again, I don't think it's going to happen. Not this year. Yeah, you'd probably see Borgonzi or Alan Williams elevated, and then they'd probably bring in some ex- exterior guy to fill that positional coach spot. But, uh, yeah, I, I really don't see Flus leaving, and that that's a great thing for Colts fans. I mean, I know mm-hmm. he gets some un- unwarranted heat, honestly, uh, after the way that his defense has played the last couple of years. Uh, but he, he's a great defensive coordinator, and, and uh, we'd be really lucky to keep him the next couple of years, hopefully. Absolutely. I, I mean, you just want to see kind of mastery of the system. And we, we've seen with certain teams who have systems in place for years and years and years, their players become masters of it, you know, so that's uh, that's definitely someone we would want to hold on to. Next question is from Zach Carl. Is edge or corner the bigger need? And should yeah. Houston and should Justin Houston be brought back? Uh, what's a Xavier Rhodes contract look like? And what are the other options in free agency? All right. So uh, all of it at once edge yeah. uh, what was the next one it was uh houston or autry <laughs> autry and then uh Rhodes contract hopefully it's around seven to eight million a year like spotrack is projecting yeah i think in a normal year it probably gets up to about 12 a year but we could see around seven or eight and if that's seven if it is seven or eight colts need to be on that you know quickly i think that that's a great bargain there seven or eight would be huge because looking at spotrack right now um so of, of course, everything gets bloated in free agency. Let's say he landed, and, and with his past as an all-pro in 2017, and then now he's kind of resurrected himself, so people will think he's still got that in him a little bit. He would probably command a top 15 cornerback deal. 
or about there. Right now, that's Casey Hayward at just over 11 mil a year. So I think if it's seven or eight mil, like you just said, I, I think that's easy. You know, I, I think you pounce on that right away. Term is going to be the biggest thing. So say, say Gannon Gannon guaranteed. Goes, yeah. yeah. Say, say Gannon goes to be the defense coordinator for Atlanta, you know, for instance, a team that needs corners. If they're going to offer three or four years at 8 million a year or something, or 9 million a year, where the Colts will probably offer more of like one year or two years, that's probably going to be more interesting for him to go out to Atlanta, especially staying with Gannon too. So that'll be something really interesting to see, but uh, hopefully it's a one or two year deal worth around eight, nine, maybe 10 million a year. I think that'll be really beneficial for both sides. Yeah. I, I don't think they would do much more than that. I'm trying to pull up free agents here. It's a decent class for corners. It's not great. Honestly, if I were looking straight up at the corners that are available, I think you'd be the top guy in my opinion after how we played, but you know, obviously other people look at stats like interceptions, which Rhodes wasn't super high in and, um, stuff like that. But I don't know for, for my money, he's a top free agent corner. Uh, but I could see it going many directions, obviously. Again, this, this class is going to be really weird with how the salary cap's not going up. Uh, so it might be like a seven, $8 million contract. Yeah, that's probably, that's what it's looking like. So number one, and this involves him, this looks like a really old free agent class for corners. Yeah. Patrick Peterson is 31. Although I, I wouldn't be mad about that. Patrick Peterson's, you know, you know, what, what, how much better are you going to find? Richard Sherman is 33 every year. I'm someone who says Richard Sherman is toast, but like also if you, if you stick a fast receiver against him and run any sort of deep route or double move, you probably are going to win that. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue to not trust Richard Sherman, even though it seems to bite me. Uh, not Josh Norman, because I think he's still orbiting the earth after Derrick Henry. <laughs> Jason McCourty. Yeah, there's not a ton out there. So Xavier Rhodes, I think, is their best option to go after. Yeah, yeah, for sure. William Jackson, that's intriguing. Yeah, he kind of had a down year, but he's intrigued. I think they only have him projected like $6 million, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's – huh. I don't know. I thought he bounced back this year to, to play pretty well. But, yeah, I, I think among the free agents, Xavier Rhodes, Patrick Peterson, and, and number one, Peterson's going to be expensive, so maybe not. Um, but William Jackson, I think those would probably be my favorite options. Yeah. Um, next one from DeQuanta Clark. Do you think Kamoko Toure or Ben Banigou can be the future at edge? Are there any edge prospects or free agents that we should get? Uh, so kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, I think, I mean, it's, it's possible, but I don't think that, I don't think it needs to keep them from addressing the, the situation at all. I think if they were to hang their hats on Toure and Banigou being the future right now, that would not be a good idea especially since Banigou couldn't really sniff the field at all this year. And Ture has really only shown flashes throughout his career. He's been really good in those flashes, but that those that pair has never done anything collectively to keep you from addressing the edge position. Um, as far as uh, as far as the free agent market goes, there are some there are some names out there. Um, I'll, Zach, I'll let you go ahead and, and uh, take the wheel here and, Maybe give us if you've got any draft prospects you like as well, but we'll uh, we'll go over the the free agents here in a second as well. 
Yeah, I think free agents where you need to attack this this position. And and like you said, if, if you're going into this offseason or the, after this offseason, say they re-sign Danico Autry and they don't do anything else at edge, that's very, very concerning because Banigou has not shown anything to, to warrant that. Kamoko Ture has shown flashes, but not really shown anything to warrant that either. Uh, but if they come out of this uh, this uh, free agency with Autry and uh, one of these guys I'm about to bring up here, and then have those two youngsters, I think that's okay. Uh, but th- this is a loaded defensive end class. I mean, guys that that are potential uh, free agents in this class, I mean, there are so many. It's going to be like Carl Lawson, uh, who I love, who I actually wrote an article about him today. He actually had uh, more – he had double the quarterback hits as all the Colts' defensive ends combined had this year. And that includes <laughs> that includes Nico Autry and Tyquan Lewis out there too. Mm-hmm. So that you know they play both inside and out. So that's how much better he was than the, the Colts defensive ends. Uh, he's a great option. Romeo Aquara, uh, Romeo Aquara, it's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> Romeo Aquara had a great season for the Lions, and you know it's kind of under the radar because the Lions, but he, he's another really good option. Um, Bud Dupree coming off of that ACL injury, but he's been outstanding the last two years. Yannick Nagakwe is going to be out there. Maybe Vaughn Miller, but that could be a whole mess with everything going on right now with him. Yeah. (laughs) Can I just say that I hate how much is out there without there being anything out there. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? All all we know is like, he's being investigated, but we don't know what for. Is it murder? Is it for traffic (laughs) violations? What is it? Murder. <laughs> like there are wild ends of the spectrum that could be on. There's gonna be like a clip of this out there where I'm laughing at you spring <laughs> up murder and he actually killed like five people or something. Oh, <laughs> we do not condone the actions of Von Miller. If if, if they happened. are if it's really bad, we do not condone that. <laughs> oh man. But I mean on top of that too, like Matt Judon is gonna be available too. There's a mm-hmm. lot of really good options. And I think personally the Colts, if they don't come out with at least one of these guys, it's a failure of free agency. You know, you, you have to get one of these guys, preferably, you know, in my opinion, preferably Carl Lawson, uh, even though his arm length isn't really going to be what Ballard loves. He loves lengthier pass rushers. But, uh, you know, Carl Lawson, Romeo Aquara, Bud Dupree, I mean, those are guys that fit this team really well and give you so much juice off the edge that they really haven't had. There's, there's no reason they don't come out of this free agency with one of those guys. They have – they're going to be like one of eight teams that can actually spend in free agency, especially more so now with, with rivers, you know, being gone, yep. if they don't have a veteran quarterback or if they go cheaper on veteran. So there's no reason not to come with away with one of these guys. So they, they really need to attack that position in free agency. We saw kind of the ramifications of that a couple of years ago. Remember he, he offered contracts to Darius Smith and Preston Smith yep. and got beat out by the Packers. And even though Preston Smith dropped off this past year, those two were outstanding uh, that next year yeah. where the Colts were struggling to get pass rushers and they had to trade a first for a defensive tackle who is awesome, but you know what I mean? Like it, it's just, yeah. you, you gotta, you gotta attack this, this free agency class. There are so many good names. Uh, so many guys who provide that juice you haven't had for, for, you know, all of Ballard's tenure, basically, you know, Justin Houston's been great off the edge. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Diego Altry been very solid. Both those guys, you need juice off the edge, especially with the interior pressure you're getting from divorce Buckner. Uh, so they, they really need to attack this free agency class. Absolutely. And I, th- I think Carl Lawson especially is probably the bell of the ball there. That just seems like a really high upside move. He's not it's really. Gonna be, yeah. It's only gonna be like 9 million years what they're projecting too. like. Yeah. It's a he, perfect fit. Perfect. He, yeah. He's not really had the opportunity to play 
for a team that should be in the lead of a lot of games either, which should open up more pass rush opportunities and things like that. I also like Yannick Ngakwe. It would be so sick to have him with the Colts and not against the Colts for once. <laughs> you know, even when he had down years, he would still like <laughs> Costanzo is one of the best better tackles in the league the last couple of years. He would still give Costanzo trouble. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you. We play him two times a year, even this year when he wasn't. Yeah, in the well, yeah. that didn't didn't he get a sack both teams too? I know he did it with the Vikings. Did he sack the Colts when he was a Raven? I don't even remember if they had it. I don't know. The Colts didn't give many sacks this year, so I'm not too sure. But, but yeah, that's, I mean, for God's sakes, like he needs to be with the Colts now. I'm tired of him not being with the Colts. You know, and yeah. if you bring back Autry, then he'd be perfect because he doesn't really have to play on base downs, be like run because he struggles as a run defender. Yeah, he he's he's kind of a Terre type where he's a he's a designated pass rusher. Yeah, bring back Autry. Play Autry at that base defense end. Maybe get another guy who can kind of play deep base D end on the other side, and and you'll be fine. I mean, yeah, McGawkway can. They just need somebody with juice off the edge. They need an explosive player because Buckner is getting this pressure on the interior, and quarterbacks are just able to drop back and roll out because our our edge guys currently just weren't able to get depth. Uh, so they really just need someone with explosion. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a desirable venue for free agents to to want to come play, especially next to Buckner and. In front of Leonard, Maddie Berflus, obviously. Have Buckner on the Zoom calls. Have Buckner on the Zoom calls with these. Exactly. (laughs) Please. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so next one from Alex the Terrible. Thoughts on Marvell Tell and his role next year? I love that question because I was really high on Marvell Tell coming into this year before he was a COVID opt-out. So I really want... Jonathan Gannon to stick around if for nothing else, Marvell tells continued development. <laughs> I've, uh, I, I've watched him work with Marvell in training camp uh, last year. And especially considering tell was a safety in, in college and then uh, converted to cornerback when he came to the Colts last year, he, he transitioned really well. Um, he's, he's a physical freak. He's got great size and length. His athleticism, like his spider chart was like off the, off the just radar. And uh, he never looked like a liability when he did get defensive snaps at cornerback. Uh, so I really would like to see him next year. I, I think, I don't know what it looks like with a guy missing a season, not due to injury. Uh, I would imagine maybe he gets the opportunity. Number one, he's probably going to be inserted to compete for the second wave of cornerbacks on the team. But I would imagine if he's doing pretty well, he could threaten for a starting spot, especially if Rhodes isn't re-signed. You know, I don't I don't think they're so married to Rocky Sin that they wouldn't give Tell snaps over him if Tell looked to the part. Um I'm very pro Marvel Tell. How about you? Yeah, you know, I actually graded safeties for the guide for the Sampy Blue draft guide that year. Mm-hmm. And I hated him at safety. Did not <laughs> not like him at safety he didn't show a ton yeah no it didn't didn't see like i think it was mostly just the angles and just really late he he didn't seem like he saw the field whatsoever Mm -hmm. uh but i was close with his agent i talked to him like the day before the draft uh and it was mainly because indy was super super interested in him and he basically told me that indy was going to want him at corner and when i kind of looked at that you know with his size and his length and the fact that he played corner in high school too i mean he was a five-star recruit at corner uh, coming out of high school, it made a lot more sense to me. And I thought he was going to be a really intriguing developmental guy. And his rookie year was way better than I expected. 
there were some some lapses where he got beat pretty bad. Um, and we don't talk about them as much because it was kind of a lost season by the time he started playing more. But I think for the most part, he showed a lot of good things. Uh, definitely some room to improve, and hopefully this this year off, he worked on his technique at home or something, or or got, got hired a personal trainer or something. I'm not too sure. I haven't really been in the loop with what he's been doing this past season, but uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that he can be. I, I think he can be really good for this team. I think he has all the traits. Uh, played really well the year before, so hopefully he didn't miss a beat with this year away from football, and uh, he can work with Jonathan Gannon, which I don't think is going to happen, but he can work with a, a defensive back coach uh, with the Colts this year and really take his game to the next level. Like I like you said, I think he's going to be there for the second wave of corners, but it wouldn't shock me if he got some first team, you know, run this year as well. Yeah. I, I love that question. Uh, and then this next one is from James. He said, is Malik hooker 100% gone? Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't think he's got his free safety spot back with the Colts. And I think another team would be more appealing for him to go to. Uh, I think other teams would certainly be able to offer more money than the Colts might be willing to give and playing time. So without saying he's 100% gone, I just think it makes the most sense for him to go somewhere else. It doesn't make sense for either side to bring him back. Uh, if you're Indy, you have two really solid safeties. Obviously, he's not. you're not going to pay a guy a decent contract to be a backup. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you're a hooker, you want to you be a starter. So there's, there's options out there. I mean, he's probably going to end up in a place like Washington or Miami or Dallas. I mean, if they can get the money in Dallas, but you know, they all need starting safeties and and he is good enough to be a starting safety. It just is a matter if he can be consistent and stay healthy. Uh, so I think he's going to be fine somewhere else, but even if he ends up having a really like a pro bowl caliber season with a team like Washington or Miami next year, I still wouldn't regret letting him walk because Blackman and Willis are, the future at the spot, there's no need to, to pay him. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say it's 100%. There's always a way, but like 99.9% chance he's not coming back. Right. They would have to create some special role in, in the defense for him, it's, and that just doesn't really happen. But the good news if, is uh, for Colts fans, if he did go to the Cowboys, they could see him on primetime 45 times a year, so that's good. <laughs> Even when they're like a two-win team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come watch the Andy Dalton-led Cowboys. All it's right. Did... Mikey, uh, Washington. <laughs> yeah. All right. You uh, you had some more questions sent your way, right? Yeah, man. I think we covered pretty much every topic. With this. I yeah. Mean, we, we covered this to death. I think the only other one I had that was unique here was uh, Frank M. Cook, an almost fully recovered attorney <laughs> <laughs> at Wizzo Pindy. Uh, that's an amazing name, by the way. I had to like click on his profile to read it all. But <laughs> he said, what do you see the odds are that we draft defense in the first round? I think we kind of answered that when we had Jim on last week where, you know, we want an edge rusher. Edge rusher would be huge to get. But at the end of the day, quarterback, maybe left tackle, but quarterback is going to be the number one thing. So until quarterback is figured out, I would say it's very low percent chance they draft anything else in the first round. But, you know, left tackle or edge, if they figure out quarterback, would probably be the first round pick. What do you think? Yeah, it's so best player available will always be what the Colts do. However, when you have needs at left tackle and quarterback that your entire roster depend on and really your future, because, I mean, Frank and Chris want to be around for a decade more, you know, um, 
certain positions just way more and the Colts have needs at those heavy positions. And I mean, Chris Ballard has, has always said, you know, they do best player available, but sometimes if a position they need is pretty close within range to that best player available, they'll, they'll make that exception. And whether that means trading up, trading down, they don't have to stay at 21. Um, but yeah, it's, they could go anywhere as always. We know them, but it'd be hard for me to think that defense would be the pick when they have such critical needs on offense. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Okay. So thank you so much for your questions, guys. We've, we've been getting a lot more of those lately. Uh, so if we don't, if we don't get your question on, on any time, it's usually going to be because we've kind of answered it already uh, during the show or we've gotten too many similar questions like that. We've kind of bundled them all together, uh, but please, by all means, keep sending those in. Cause you know, this podcast is for you guys. So we like to answer your questions uh, with that said, we're going to go ahead and turn away from the Colts for a second. Uh, there are four more teams left in the playoffs. The Super Bowl is coming up. It's conference championship weekend. We've got Tampa Bay at the green Bay Packers and the Buffalo bills at Kansas city chiefs. First up, Buccaneers at Packers. Who do you got? I'm going to go Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers is just playing at too high a level right now, which is awesome to see. I, I've always been a huge, huge Aaron Rodgers fan. I, I love Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a great quarterback. So I'm excited to see him. Hopefully he can carry this into the Super Bowl. Um, Buccaneers are, are going to be a tough challenge for them uh, with that the way their defense has been playing. But uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is playing at way too high a level right now to be slowed down. So I think uh, I think the Packers are going to win that one. Yeah, same here. I um, it's weird because I do I do like the the Buccaneers, but like I can't see Tom Brady in another Super Bowl. It's just like <laughs> let's let something else happen, you know. And I, I love Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I think uh, other than Peyton, he's arguably the best quarterback to really ever play. The Packers, if I had an NFC team, it'd probably be the Packers. Yeah. If yeah. If Tom Brady goes to Super Bowl again, I'm just going to get alcohol poisoning this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Buffalo at Kansas City. There's obviously a lot, you know, that, you know, how we pick, there's a lot, you know, teetering on that. But how do you feel? See, see that one going. Oh, Buffalo. I'm, I'm a huge Buffalo fan. Love Buffalo. Ooh, even, spicy. E- even though, even though they beat the Colts and knocked the Colts out of the playoffs. So we're all probably a little bitter on that. I love Buffalo so much. I mean, their coaching staff is great. Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, Brian Dabble, just elite three coaches right there. I think all together that is, not, maybe not individually, but just three great coaches. You have a quarterback playing at an MVP level and Josh Allen. You have arguably the best receiver in football. An offensive line that is kind of pieced together really interestingly, but they, they work and they, they are great in pass pro for this team. Uh, and then on defense, they just do enough to to be successful. You know, they're not really great in any one area, but uh, it's a really solid defense that just is coached really well by Leslie Frazier. And, uh, you know, I, I think when you look at Kansas City, uh, even, you know, even when, you know, Mahomes was playing last week, they weren't looking like that dominant team, you know. And, and I'm not saying Cleveland's a bad team whatsoever. I, I like Cleveland. But they didn't look like that dominant number one seed that you would expect, where the Bills – did I mean their defense just completely shut down the Ravens? Uh, outside of the game against the Colts in in the wild card round, they've been beating down everybody lately. So I, I like the Bills in this one. I, I, I'm I'm all for that coaching staff, the, the 
quarterback play they've had this year, the, you know, Stefan Diggs being a difference maker. I, I just love that team. I think, I, I think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. I think it's going to be fun. I, I really want to see them in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You're kind of swaying me, man, but no. So Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Yeah. And again, like I said last week, right. (laughs) We don't want to pick against him, but no guys, obviously, unless you've lived under a rock, uh, Mahomes was in the concussion protocol. He had something weird happen to his neck on a tackle attempt last week. I've got to imagine he plays, but being in the concussion protocol, that's not necessarily up to him anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it as if he's playing. Ah, God, I've I've wanted a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl this whole time because I so badly want to see Rodgers versus Mahomes. But Packers I, Bills, yes, I really might pick the Bills here. Like they don't have any huge glaring weaknesses. They just they're very steady all around. They they don't really run the ball a lot. Um, Who cares? It's twenty twenty. You don't need or twenty twenty one. You don't yeah, have to run exactly. <laughs> they they have a quarterback who can pretty much overcome just about anything at this point. I mean they're. Defenses can't throw a lot at him that he can't do something about because of his arm and he can run really well. I'm damn it. I, I think I'm going to pick the bills. So, so here's the way I look at it. Right. Obviously uh, Allen's not Mahomes, but he's right. a quarterback who can go toe to toe with him on a good day. Yes. But then you counter in that the bills also have the better receiving core, the better offensive line. And at least a wash on defense. I mean, the, the the Chiefs have more playmakers on their defense with with Tyron Matthew and Chris Jones, but at least a wash on defense. So I think, you know, when you look at the Bills offense, I think, I don't know. I, I think the Bills, man, I, I I believe in this Bills team. Let's get Jerry Hughes to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Jerry Hughes. Let's make him a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> I'm upset that Lorenzo Alexander retired last year. I was always a huge oh, Lorenzo yeah. Alexander guy. I would have loved to see him in the Super Bowl. And can they bring Kyle Williams back just for this one game so he can play in the Super Bowl? I'll, I'll be honest, you know, obviously we've gone super long in this podcast. If you guys are still listening, to no, this, not us, <laughs> not us. <laughs> I was watching Bill's film. I watched all of their games before the Colts game, and um, what's his name? Uh, AJ Epinesa, yeah, or Epinesa wears the same number that Renzo Alexander wore number 57 and Gross. they're kind of like they kind of were like stiff athlete. you know they're both kind of the same type of athlete like yeah. kind of stiff. so i legit thought Lorenzo alexander was playing all this year until i <laughs> remembered that that was someone else <laughs> so, fns is too damn big to wear 57 i don't yeah, like that and that's what threw me off i think i think that's what it or i don't know maybe i just thought Lorenzo alexander put on a lot of weight or something i don't know <laughs> he's had such a metamorphosis throughout his career he yeah. went out on top that was good for him Hey, Washington fan growing up, man. He was stud. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that is finally it for for us on this episode. (laughs) We've now covered the 2020 Colts after this. It is all on the 2021. Uh, Our next episode, we're going to kind of focus on a state of the Colts thing again. We'll just kind of evaluate how everything stands, take free agency into account, um, the draft, obviously. We can talk more about Costanzo and Philip Rivers retiring and just things like that. There's there's a lot to look at moving forward. Send us free agent and draft questions. Let's yes, do it. Absolutely. Let's we want to I am all for it. I have like watched like 30 prospects. I am ready for every question. Yes. <laughs> and I am much farther behind than Zach, but I have started my process. I it always takes me a while to get started because I start with the top guys and then the senior bowl guys. And it's like, 
do I really have to start with players I know the Colts can't take? Like Trevor Lawrence, do I really need to watch Trevor? Oh, know? I don't watch top guys. I don't know. <laughs> I, I may not either. Like guys I who watch, the Colts have I, no chance at. I, might, I, I won't watch, know. like, I legit won't watch Trevor Lawrence. Like, I don't, don't think I need to. Uh, probably won't watch Justin Fields. Uh, who else? Uh, Sewell, I won't watch. No. No. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, Waddle and or maybe Waddle because he might, but Devonta Smith won't watch. Demar Chase won't watch. I kind of do it for my own, my own aesthetics to my rankings because I've I've kind of tweaked with grades and stuff lately, and it's like just, if I'll I have them ranked top of their class but don't have grades for them, that's kind of <laughs> that's true. I think we're going eyeball test this year. No grades. I'm just going eyeball test. I'll, I'll watch the highlight film on YouTube with the the crazy rap song in the background that I always have to mute. That, yeah, that you can't share online because it's just so filthy. <laughs> That's why we do instrumentals here. We have we have the hottest music in the game, but it's instrumentals. No one can be mad that way. You gotta you gotta you gotta find that black market all twenty two source is what you gotta yeah. find. <laughs> <laughs> the Tyrone Bigums from Chappelle Show looking for all twenty two. Drop uh, three months worth of rent for four four games for all twenty two. There's some shady things that happen on Twitter for some all twenty two. Twitter, Reddit, Facebook. There's a lot of the oh, Reddit. <laughs> We're getting Reddit. into the dark web. Ah, <laughs> uh, anyways, guys, that is it for this one. Go ahead and just catch us back on Twitter. Uh, please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes. Um, more people are listening than we have ratings and reviews for fellas and gals so we need we need those numbers boosted because it kind of shoots us up the the podcast charts that's pretty much all they look at aside from actual listenership so we're issuing a challenge you gotta rate and review us this week before the next episode or you're not allowed to listen to the next one (laughs) anyways be sure to follow the show on twitter facebook and instagram at Believe in Colts and me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. Zach is on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Hicks too. And be sure to follow his written work on Stampede Blue and Cover One. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on the show, please send them to us through email at believeincolts at gmail.com or respond whenever we send out the call for questions on Twitter. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online, Kansas City Stakes, and Just Live. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact them at Believe.com. If you're interested in advertising on this show specifically, just shoot us an email. Thanks again to Kevin Bowen for joining us this week. Again, you'll hear Zach and I again next week to give the State of the Colts evaluations. Have a great week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.